This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 228. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com. My co-host today is Barb Sodiropoulos. Barb, how are you today? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I am doing never better. This is a show about colored pencil where we discuss in detail anything and everything surrounding colored pencil, this medium that we love so much. It wasn't that long ago, somebody said to me, how long have you been doing that podcast? I said, well, I've been doing it for about four years. They said, and you think there's still things to talk about? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> some of the things, uh, they, they it changes. It changes a little bit. And uh, then some of the things always stay the same. But there's always new people that are coming to the medium. And maybe if you're listening today, you've come from a different background. Maybe, you know, you haven't done art in a while, or maybe you've only drawn with charcoal or with charcoal and graphite or with graphite or with pastel or something like that. So this is a real gem of an episode for you because we're going to be talking about the right way to draw with colored pencils. And so here are some identifiable ways to know that you're drawing the right way. Well, I'm Barb, go ahead. You, you've got some words to say about that, I know. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> the, the right way, the quote unquote right way. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I, I mean, when we, when we started um, forming this particular episode, and Barb and I started talking about this, I mean, so the it begs the question, right? If somebody says, "Make sure you draw the right way," you know, draw the right way with that medium, begs the question: Then what is the right way? Is there a right way to draw? Is there a quote unquote right method, right way to do art? Would be the question. But for drawing in colored pencil. The way that I think we want to frame this is when we're talking about other mediums and then we turn our attention to colored pencil, do we use the same methods, the same techniques, the same drawing skills that we learned from these other mediums? Well, the good news is people have come to the right place for that information. <laughs> I so. see what you did there. <laughs> right? Very good. <laughs> I mean. Uh, okay. So uh. one, one of the things that I cover in the Beginner's Colored Pencil course is is the fact that there are different ways to hold the pencil. Now, you may be thinking, oh, um, you know, it doesn't really matter how you hold your pencil. Well, yes and no. It, it does a little bit. It, it does matter a little bit. You need to be able to hold the pencil comfortably um, enough to where you have enough control. You've maintained enough control over that instrument that you're able to draw effortlessly. And it's not going to uh, cause a lot of uh, pain, discomfort, or uh, strain on your wrist, fingers, or arm. 
And if you're a young person today and you're listening to me, and yes, I am singling out young versus old a little bit because I'm old. And if you told me today, ah, John, you got to start holding that pencil different than you've held it for the past 100 years, I might have a little bit of a problem with that. So I'm really not you know, asking anyone uh, to start doing something entirely different if you've not ever held the pencil quote unquote correctly, but there are some better ways to hold a pencil. And I've seen some very disjointed and uncomfortable ways that people will hold the pencil. And if I've got somebody in class, I always talk to them about if I see some of these holds that are, that just look so painful even to look at, but I know they're not maintaining enough control over their instrument to be able to wield it effectively, then I'm going to talk to them and talk to them about the fact that there are some different ways to hold that instrument that would give you greater control over it. And the bottom line is this. You know, if you can use all these other tools, you can use solvent, you can use a lot of other things to try to help you uh, with creating art. But if you cannot hold the instrument in your hand in the best way possible, you're going to be at a slight disadvantage from the very beginning. It gives you a leg up. It gives you a greater advantage to be able to hold the pencil in certain ways. So let me go through those very quickly and then we'll move along. I talk about using that dynamic tripod hold. It's a basic tripod hold that you learned. Um, most of us, I think, learned in school when we were a child, first first grade, second grade, something like that. Certainly by third grade, we learned how to hold it. When we're preschool, kindergarten, we may hold the pencil or crayon with just a fist. You know, you can take a fist like you're going to punch somebody and you stick a pencil right down the middle of it and you're gripping the pencil as though <laughs> so aggressive <laughs> <laughs> that was aggressive but it's it's just like you're gripping that pencil <laughs> you're gonna punch somebody just out drawing really aggressive lines <laughs> but if you it's a really interesting visual you painted there. <laughs> right well it's a pen, colored pencil is an aggressive medium so i mean is it <laughs> Here's a couple of things that the, that does, though. It If you create a little OK sign with your thumb and forefinger, then you allow the pencil to rest on that the second finger. Then what happens is you've created a hold that will give you the most control over the instrument and... It allows the pencil tip to rest on the paper around a 45-degree angle, which is an optimal angle for a pencil medium. And, you know, you can maybe argue with me about that if you want to, but there are some reasons why I believe that. So that's the dynamic tripod hold. The dynamic quadrupod hold also gives you just about the same amount of control and you maintain that 45 degree angle as well. It's a little more odd because you've got two fingers up on the pencil and it's fine. And if you've been drawing that way for a while, don't change. I mean, it would be hard to get anybody to change. There's also the lateral type of holds as well. Lateral tripod and the lateral uh, quadrupod with the two fingers up on the pencil is the quadrupod. Quadro is where that comes into play. But you've got four fingers involved, hence the term quadro. Okay, so, but if you're using the three pencil hold where you've got just those two fingers sort of gently pinching the, the pencil up on top, but most of the pressure is 
placed on the thumb and forefinger pressing up against the pencil into that second finger, that really does allow you the most control over the drawing instrument. And the reason why I make a big deal out of this is because I've seen adults where they're able to change their hold on the pencil. And maybe they don't do that when they're writing their name. I don't know. I don't follow them around. But I do know that in person, if I'm teaching somebody and I'm able to help them understand why it's important to hold the pencil correctly, and then once they start doing that, show them how they can maintain a whole lot of control over where that point gets placed on the paper, uh, they start to understand and they have a renewed um, interest and motivation for changing. So, okay, I'll get off my high horse. That's all I'm going to say about that. I actually just wanted to add to that as well. Um, interesting. You wouldn't think there are so many different ways and uh, yeah, in, in terms for holding a pencil, right? But, right. Uh, um, it's it's interesting with painting as well. There's a, a lot of different ways to even hold a paintbrush to mm-hmm. to sort of do similar things, and you'll see um, certain painters will hold their paintbrushes similar to the way they would hold a pencil, or they're actually because a lot of the um, brushes tend to have a very long barrel. Sometimes they'll hold it a lot further back. Um, on the end of it as opposed to closer to the end. And I've seen that done with pencil as well. And actually, um, with colored pencil, if I'm doing an area that um, I want to do lighter shading on, I will actually hold it farther back on the barrel as opposed to closer to the end of the point because I find it actually helps me control um, the pressure a lot um, a lot more easier that way. Like I find when I'm too close to the point, I'll actually be way more heavy handed than if I'm holding it a little further back. And that's yes. I mean, I've seen people sketch that way with pencil as well, where they're they're almost holding it um, vertically. And, uh, like usually when you think of using a pencil, you would be holding it in a, in, in a down position, but it's almost like they're, they're holding it with the point up and sketching, if that makes sense. So, um, that's definitely a different way that works for some people as well and actually helps them, um, have control in terms of lighter pressure as opposed to heavier pressures. You said when they're holding it further down the barrel, that they're holding it nearly vertically. Did you mean horizontally? Uh, no. So like, I guess if you're, yeah, maybe, maybe it ends up being horizontally. I think I may be thinking about it if you're drawing on an easel. Oh, okay. Um, okay. You would, you would almost be holding it, uh, almost like upside down, essentially. Like your point would be yes. facing towards the ceiling and you're sketching that way, as opposed to what you would think the typical yes. position would be where your wrist is almost angled down and the point is facing down. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And, and I, yeah. and I thought about that option as well, but I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Okay. No, that does make a lot of sense. So really essentially what you're talking about, and this is something that I did want to bring up uh, as well, that holding the pencil, yes, further down the barrel near the end, the opposite end of the point does allow you to use a softer approach to uh, making your marks, and it will loosen you up to where your pencil pressure is not very great. You're not pressing very hard. Obviously, if you are holding that pencil way down there by the tip, you're going to want to bear down and use a lot of hard pressure. And so early on in the drawing process, we do most of the time with a typical uh, approach to colored pencil, we are going to try to use a, a very loose 
type of hold on the pencil and way out there on the opposite end of where the point is. Okay, so some key points then to think about when we're talking about a drawing medium, then we're talking about something that you're holding in your hand and it's it's not applying any type of other solution to uh, create the artwork. So we're talking about holding some type of writing or drawing instrument in your hand to create marks for less, such as graphite or charcoal or a pastel pencil, any type of pencil uh, at all. So when we're talking about colored pencil, then we're talking about something that is different from all these other mediums. And we want to just sort of talk about some of the characteristics of these other mediums very briefly, and then how colored pencil differs from those. So let's talk, Barb, very quickly then about graphite. The properties of graphite and uh, how you would progress through a piece if you're drawing in graphite is, you know, you're using a monochromatic type of medium. You're using everything that's, uh, it's all grayscale, right? The hard leads of graphite, you know, that's going to be something that makes marks that are very light. The softer leads, the bees we typically think about, um, it's going to be very soft. And it also creates a a reflective shine or a sheen on your uh, piece. Uh, Some of the properties of graphite is that it lays flat. As it's making its marks on the paper, it has a tendency, graphite does, uh, to lay flat. So you get like this mirrored type of image whenever you've laid down like a lot of soft graphite in particular. The more pure that the graphite is in the instrument, then you've got this mirroring kind of effect. Now you can smudge graphite quite a bit. Some people really like that look. They like to, to use a lot of different smudging type of tools with graphite to uh, create their effects of uh, shading. And so that's that's sort of, you know, some of the properties of, of graphite. And you, um, you have the options of, you know, making lines. If you're gravitating towards more of realistic or representational work, then you can do layers of different hardness. Uh, you can use like some of the H's and then layer it with some of the B's on top brush it back down with uh, an HB pencil, things like that. You can do a lot of layers is my point. And it can create like this uh, very dynamic kind of look and can create some nice gradations in uh, shading. So those are some of the properties of graphite. So moving on to pastel and charcoal, which are very similar to each other, they're both actually more of a compressed Uh, powdered version of pigment. So um, they have very similar qualities in in that they both are very soft and very, very blendable. So where graphite is very blendable when you're using additional tools, and and to some extent, you could use your hand to blend graphite, you can really, really do that with both pastel and charcoal. And they both tend to, um, they don't have the same permanence that say something like pencil or graphite or even colored pencil have. So um, in terms of when you're working, it's very easily smudgeable. It's very easy to actually undo a lot of the marks that you've made. So your process when you're working with both of those mediums is going to be quite a bit different. Um, just because, it, it, again, if your hand brushes on something, uh, it's very easy to to get rid of what you've done. I would say with charcoal especially, you're not necessarily worrying about layering as much as you are with some of the other mediums, because just by the virtue of the way it lays down on paper, um, 
you're almost uh, you're almost getting to your solution a lot quicker. Like you can do things in layers, but it doesn't always necessarily benefit you. Like it's it's not going to benefit you the way that it does with colored pencil, for example, in right. terms of building up rich tones of color with with charcoal, especially because it's usually black unless you're using some of the more um, sand joint colors or whatever. You're working more in gradations, I guess, of color or or tone as opposed to. Um, trying to build something up and, and pastel in some, in some sense is sort of similar. Like you can do, you know, flatter areas of color and then add on top of that, but your process is going to be a lot more delicate, I guess, than, yeah. um, it is with colored pencil. Like you're almost, uh, you almost, you really have to be careful. I find with both those, those mediums that you don't, um, it doesn't end up becoming muddy because of how much it blends into itself so easily. And uh, charcoal and pastel both. I mean, they can be very, very fluid mediums. Um, yeah, which which makes them uh, very unique in that respect. And quicker. Yeah, very quick. Yeah, they can yeah, be. Yeah, it lot can be. Quicker. Yeah, I find for some people. I know uh, uh, Jason Morgan does a lot of um, uh, pastel tutorials, right. and I mean, I think for for colored pencil artists that are maybe frustrated by the slowness of colored pencil, like some people are finding a lot, probably a lot more, um, it's a little bit more rewarding to work in, in the pencil version of pastel in that medium, just because it tends to be, um, your results get, or like, I mean, there's still a lot of work and technique involved in that, but your results tend to be quite a bit quicker than uh, colored pencil alone. For sure. For sure. Okay. So let's talk about pen very quickly. And then we're going to talk about some of the differences then in comparing all of these to colored pencil, but with pen, you're, you're talking about lines, using something that is very permanent. You're not able to create a gradation in the value in the same way that you would with any of the other mediums that we talked about already. So you're not talking about anything in pen that you can erase. So throw your erasers out. You're talking about something that is uh, very fixed. It's very permanent. You have to live with that kind of thing. You have to have that in your head whenever you're using pen. And so one of the there's a lot of different approaches, I guess, when it comes to sketching in pen or drawing in pen. And one of the things is, is that you can start with some of the smaller nibs progress and work your way up to a larger one because it's so permanent. If you're going to use a large, um, you know, stroke and it's, you know, this large stroke with this large nib, you know, the point of that pen going down is so permanent. What if you, you know, if you've made a mistake or if you've done that incorrectly, as far as you term it with your art, that you feel like it was not the right mark, you're kind of, you kind of have to live with it and you're sort of stuck with that. And so there's ways of sort of compensating a little bit and you can get around it a little bit and using hash. Uh, marks and then cross hashing to be able to create some shading and some gradation in some of the values. Stippling obviously is another way of doing that, but it, it's a very different experience. Do you use pen very often, Barb? Um, yeah, I mean traditional pen and ink. I've I've done. I usually use it mostly for line work. But yeah. um, what I was going to mention actually is I have seen some really amazing artwork done with ballpoint pens. Yeah, which actually allow um, they allow you for a lot more flexibility in terms of creating gradations of of tones. Um, and I, I mean another really good thing to mention about pen, just as an aside, is that if you really want to improve your drawing skills, draw in pen as opposed to pencil. Very true, because it really forces 
forces you to make every mark uh, count. <laughs> yeah, and and if you do make a mistake, it also forces you to find a way around it and yes. still make something look good. And I found um, when I was in college, when I was you know working on improving my drawing skills, uh, I started drawing in my sketchbooks and pen. Yeah. And it really, it really, really forced me to be more deliberate about uh, my mark making. And I, I find what happens is that I think when people are drawing in pencil, because they know they can erase it if they make a mistake, it's almost like you're sort of like, ah, whatever, I'll just, I'll just draw however I want. And I know I can, you know that you can erase it. But when, when that, when that's, when that element is taken away for some reason, it really, for me anyways, it really made me focus on, um, you know, my observation skills a lot yeah. more and, and almost like I found I, I was almost thinking more before I was putting a line down because I had to sort of plan it out in my mind to make sure that what I was doing was, um, you know, going to be the right angle or the right, the, the right, right shape. And, um, and I think people that are, are working in that medium, especially like there's, there's a lot more, um, you know, and color pencil is similar to some extent too, because it's not incredibly forgiving. But I think, you know, if you're coming from that medium specifically with pen, you're used to, you know, making every line that you make count. Right. And also, again, you know, I talk a lot about creative problem solving, but, you know, when you're working with mediums that aren't forgiving, you do have to think about that. You have to think about, you have to essentially, um, you know, you have to you have to plan those moves in your head ahead of time before you actually put them down on your paper. Because, yeah. you know, if I mean, as as a lot of people know, it's like you don't we don't want to be working on a giant piece and then make a mistake. And then I mean, if you can't reverse out of it somehow, then you know you basically have to start over. So right, yeah. I still uh, sketch in pen. I mean, most of the time that's what I'm sketching when I'm d- doing my real tiny little sketches. Um, when I take that. I take it in my pocket, this little tiny one. What is it? Two by three or something. Mm-hmm. I use a pen usually with that. Do you sketch in pen now or not? Yeah, I actually, I don't sketch in pencil very much at right. all anymore. I actually, um, I mean, I, I sort of have a little bit of a thing where I don't like my, <laughs> I don't like my hand smudging the graphite and whatever. Yeah, I don't I, like that either. That's, that's more, of, that's more of like a personal preference thing. But when well, I, when right. I started, you know, the practice of using um, pen to sketch in, in college, I really, um, actually, I tend to use, um, uh, the non-photo blue pencils as well. It's essentially like a colored pencil, right. but I, I tend to sketch in things that aren't forgiving mediums for whatever yeah. reason. And and I, I don't know. I just I feel like I prefer it now. I, yeah, it's there's something about it that just it makes more sense to me to sketch that way. Well, right, and I, I like what you said about it forces you to find a, a solution to what you may perceive as a problem. And, and really, that's what that's what we do as artists. We figure out, you know, we we look at what we've done. If we don't like something about it, then we figure out how to work uh, work that out and to improve it, make it better. And, you know, I, I can't tell you I, how many times I get a request from somebody that they'll ask for, uh, you know, a critique and and it's exciting. And they'll, But they'll say something like this. Often I'll, I'll get this. I'll say, what should I do in this case? And then they'll name something and they'll say, here it is, blah, blah, blah. Should Or should I just start over? It's so rare that I would ever say, yeah, start over. You just need to start over. You know, you can always fix something. Um, You can nearly always fix something. And even if you can't fix something, it shouldn't be your first go-to is to say, I'm going to start over. You should try to work something out. You should try to figure out how to progress through and learn some lessons from whatever it is you perceive as being a problem or a mistake. 
All right, we're going to go ahead and end the show today right here. Uh, this is part one. Barb and I got a little long-winded, so we're going to save part two for next week. And I hope you can join us then. This is a weekly show, so I will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. 